So as you graduate and head out into the world, there's only one thing that you need to know. Hi, this is Jamie from Progressive. Yeah, I can talk now. Progressive protects you 24-7. So, tell me what happened. Oh, I'm sorry, Gene. Can you give me one second? Um, brush out for every meal. Congratulations and thank you. Sorry about that. I'm back. So tell me about this fender bender. Contact us 24-7 on the phone, online, or on the mobile app. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Covered subject to policy terms. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Liftoff will start in T-minus 10 seconds. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. Hey, everybody. This is Craig Ackerman, TV play-by-play announcer for the Houston Rockets. What's up, everyone? This is Jackson Gatlin, host of Locked on Rockets. This is Chris Chavez. This is your boy, Heezy, a.k.a. Raheel Ramzanali. It's Sean from Shots and Thoughts. This is Will, a.k.a. Bias Houston, king of Rockets Twitter. This is Chucky Brown, former professional NBA basketball player for the 1995 NBA champion, Houston Rockets. This is Timoteo Keister. What up, what up? It's Roosh Williams, the Mastodon himself. What's up, Rockets fans? This is Hollywood Don Knock, host of the Apollo Launchpad podcast and the legendary Rockets Twitter spaces. This is Devin White, a.k.a. The Gentleman. With your boy, Von Wafer, former Houston Rocket, retired professional NBA basketball player. Ah. Four, three, two, one. We have ignition. And you are listening to the Summit State of Mind podcast. What is going on, everyone? You are listening to the Summit State of Mind, the podcast of Dream Shakes and Stepbacks, and everything Houston Rockets, presented by the Minute Media Podcast Network and the official podcast to fan site. It's Houston Rockets website, spacecityscoop.com. I am your host, your commissioner, Kenny. Of course, with me, as always, is my brother, my tag team partner, the GM, Justin. Hey, man, you know what? I'll just have to ask you right now. Look, I'm going to... I'm going to go straight to you for it just just because I didn't get to watch the entirety of the game. And I was just going to ask you how your day was. But I talked to you. We had dinner. And uh, you told me that you're feeling some type of way. So I was going to ask you how your day was. But I think you already told me. But how are you doing? Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. I'm okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, I got to see U of H win. That was probably one of the best games to watch. Like, seeing their hustle was uh that's some next level stuff that's not something that you see normally on a basketball court i was gonna say it's been a rough weekend we 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 lost correa we you know we had sean we had the we lost to sean yeah yeah we we lost to sean the rockets lose in 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 tough fashion and the gm has not had his coffee today so it's it's just been a rough yeah i didn't have coffee today let's not let's not out me for not i'm i'm having tea right now but oh my god i'm I'm just a little under the weather just a tad just a smidge you know, you know who's you know, I'll give you I'll give you one guy who's not under the weather because we're not alone. We have another guest on the show for the first time ever. I'm so excited to get him on. We've been working on this contractual obligate uh what is it? Contractual negotiations were ongoing, but we finally locked in the contract. <laughs> we got him on. I can't wait to introduce this guy because you know, this guy's big time, and I can't wait to introduce him. I've been known for giving intros and i want to give this man justice so let's see if i can do this right he is a host of the apollo launchpad podcast he is also a host of the rockets twitter safe spaces he is the biggest international rockets fan in history i am calling it now 
biggest international rocket fan in history. We are proud to introduce for the first time ever, Paulo Alves, AKA Prodigy. Welcome to the summit for the very first time ever. How you doing, man? Yo, what's up? I feel like a WWE superstar. Did it got the full intro and everything? <laughs> yeah. I should, you know, I should have said from Portugal. Like you're like six, <laughs> you're like six one, right? I should have been like six one out of Portugal. <laughs> Listen, the hard part is the weight is not disclosed, so. <laughs> what is it like they say like uh uh was it the ultimate warriors from parts unknown <laughs> for, for pod it's like wait unknown <laughs> exactly exactly from dude. parts from parts that are partially known um i just you know i just want to say it's it's so awesome having you on you know you're from portugal from people that who don't from people that are podcasts that don't know you what is the time difference right now currently i think last time i checked but I'm not so sure. right now. I think the time difference is five hours, so it's it's one forty six a.m. And Jeez. and this is this is daily, right? This is this is normal stuff for you in terms of rockets when rockets are playing or there's basketball. This is normal. Yeah, just right? just adjust. I live I live in in Houston's time zone, just an ocean away. And it's literally <laughs> like that. <laughs> so, so awesome that's why i'm so proud to call you like the the biggest interest because personally for me you're the biggest international fan i've ever met that you friggin' pretty much live in our time zone and you don't even you, like i said you don't even live here you live in you live in portugal but i think that's so cool to know that and it segues perfectly into my first question for you you know i want to know your history first and foremost does anytime first person that comes on our podcast we have to know their story and i want to know yours i want to know how a man from portugal ended up becoming the biggest international rockets fan i, I gotta know it's a story i feel like needs to be told i feel like it's a story that needs to be heard and we are fully unfiltered fully unleashed i want to see full prod unleashed here tell us your story what happened how did you end up becoming a, the biggest rockets fan all right, so 21 years ago, I was born. Uh, and then then after I was born, you know, the doctors took care of me. They, they cut my umbilical cord. And then I was in, um, yeah, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> nah, nah, for real. He for came, real. Out, came out the womb throwing the, up the H. I was like, my, no, exactly, I was like exactly. he's talking literally hour one of his life. And I was like, bro, I mean, we really have no strings attached. We're the longest podcast ever. He just had to beat Don. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, I was for real. Um, so the first time, so I, I'm I'm just gonna intro you to intro you intro you to what basketball is in Portugal, which is basically nothing. Like you have what y'all call soccer, and then you have like handball, volleyball. All of those are ahead uh, of basketball when it comes to what you play as you grow up, because basketball it's it's a lot harder to teach than those sports. Um, <laughs> We're basically we're used to stuff with a goal, you know. So, oh, that's so, true. That's true. Yeah. So, growing up, basketball was had always been my my worst sport, right? And then, funnily enough, in <laughs> in high school, like I was doing a bet with like I was doing a, like a, one of those compound bets where you have a bunch of games with some friends, and the goal was just to like everybody puts in like one euro, and then you have like if if everything matches up, you win like I don't know a thousand like a thousand euros, right? And one of those things, just for fun, like everybody wanted to throw away one euro, you know. And so we were looking for games, and on the app we we were betting on, because in Europe it's not as like you don't have as many things you can bet on as in America. 
so we ran out of soccer games. We thought, I mean, let's just add a random game from a different sport. And we added a basketball game. And it was the third game on the schedule. And so I, the first two games hit. And, now, and then I'm like, everyone's watching the, the basketball game to see if it goes well or not. Mm-hmm. And I, this is my first time watching basketball. And I thought, hey, this is kind of fun. Like, this is really hype. It's completely different from, from European sports. Like, it's actually mm-hmm. made to be a show, you know, it's made for mm-hmm. people to watch. As in, in, Europe, in Europe, it's like more of a competition. It's still a competition in the NBA, but it's more competition driven but, and less viewer driven, you know? Mm-hmm. And so after that game, I just decided, like, just when I, whenever I had free time, I'd watch basketball. And I started learning how different it is um, just from everything. Like the draft is not a thing in Europe. Players just come up through club ranks, youth, like youth squads. And then they're sold. If, like, if you're on, a, on, a, bad, on a, a small club, you're sold to bigger clubs if you're that talented. So mm. the whole concept of the, dra- the draft is completely new. Then the concept of not being able to buy players from another team is also completely new. Mm-hmm. And then... You can trade players, and you can like, and there's deadlines. There's a salary cap, and all of these things were completely different. And I was so entertained by the kind of parity that that gives you, because in yeah. soccer, the the best teams are the best teams forever, just because they have the money, they have more fans. Yep. And <laughs> and and so basketball is, it's kind of like that when it comes to big markets, but it's a lot more balanced. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just and so I, I was searching and and I wanted to follow the team and this is like the lamest reason ever for you to follow a team. I wanted to follow the team that was the better the best like embodiment of the of these changes, right? Mm. And then I come across the Rockets with Daryl Mori, who are like the team that has the most trades in the last ten years or whatever. I was yep. like, yeah, <laughs> these guys are like exactly what I'm looking for. And so I watch the game. I see this this bearded guy just like playing hero ball with seven crazy stat lines, and then there was two more requirements that I wanted to that that I needed to feel. I I cannot ever root for the best team when I follow a new sport, <laughs> and so they were like right right below the Warriors, right? And so I was like, mm. okay, that this matches up. And then everybody <laughs> hated James Harden, and I was like, dude, this is perfect. Uh, yeah, this is my team. <laughs> so that's that's, that's basically that's like how so it good. happened. <laughs> so, and then and then if you ask and I'll talk to, to the, I'll talk about this um, from a Portuguese people perspective and I'll defend my, my colors a little bit Portuguese people are about the club they're never about a player right and so mm-hmm. and when you follow a club or anybody in Portugal like you're really a fanatic for it like you follow everything you're like completely committed. Like Portuguese people are really fanatics for sports, mm. <laughs> and so what happened is, I eventually just became a fanatic for the Rockets, and I followed literally everything the team did. You know, wow, like religiously, because that's how it is. Yeah. in Portugal, in Portugal, right? Or I guess yeah. in Europe, or just in Europe, even, right? Mm. That's such a big. Yep. Thing. Like I heard, like how crazy, not crazy, but like crazy, like the fandom is, like in a good way. Like they they really bleed the color of your your team. And 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 you just ended up what you just the that ended up transferring over to the Rockets. You just ended up following everything that they did. Do you remember the year? So so it was a Harden. So it was Harden Warriors. I'm assuming 2017, 2018, maybe. Is it Chris Paul? Are we talking the year of Chris Paul? 
I think when I started following, Chris Paul was already on the team. Okay. That, that's one, one of my first memories. Okay. So I think probably the first year of Chris Paul is probably the mm-hmm. most accurate way because like, I don't like it was <laughs> it was organic right and so I, I don't really know exactly um, what time it was but it was around that time that's so awesome I was thinking <laughs> if there's any time you can enter into a year of fandom for the Rockets I think 2017 2018 if, if that was the year that was the best year because that was the best year in Rockets history outside of the titles so you you picked a great year to join you know your fandom in the Rockets <laughs> Yeah, man, it was crazy because to start off, like, first couple of years, I'm just, like, learning the game, you know, like, I, and when I got into it, I had, like, people on Reddit, like, I started through Reddit because I didn't have Twitter, it's not as popular uh, in Europe as it is in the US, and it wasn't as popular back then, even even more than it is now. True. So, you have, like, people have Instagram, Snapchat and facebook and facebook was already like trending out of style so i was on reddit and people would explain to me and i was like the biggest casual for the two most like the two biggest contending seasons of my fandom i was like the biggest casual so i didn't get to enjoy i guess the um, you know how i enjoyed it now and how crazy yeah, it was yeah. back and, then. You, and yeah. you understand like everything fully but like you're still kind of enveloping yourself you're kind of uh, still assimilating yourself into the into the style of basketball and Houston and the Rockets and the culture as well. So I think that's really awesome, dude. It ultimately leads to my next question as well. So you know, for going by the timeline, you're a Rockets fan. You like you said, you were on Reddit. Now you're gonna let's fast forward a little bit. You know, you hop on Twitter. What ultimately got you into Twitter, and what got you into Rockets Twitter, and then what ultimately led you into becoming? You know, how did like, how did Apollo find you to get you to co-host and be a host for Apollo Launchpad? Yeah, so about being on Twitter, it was mostly because we have someone on, on Rockets Red that's called Stormy. Uh, he, mm-hmm. You can probably see him around on Twitter a bunch. Yeah. yeah. I recognize the name. And he, yep, he used to... He, he used to post a bunch of stuff from Twitter over to Reddit. And Reddit was not as quick to get the news like you would get the notes and the cams like posts instantly on reddit like the rumors and then like the ben duposes and like the, the alikan bajanis and the, the kelly Icos were not as quickly on reddit so i wanted to get the info as fast as possible and then i wanted to interact with these people that i like that i've seen pop up on reddit that like look so unreachable because they're like a platform away. And, like if they're giving meals, they're probably reporters, so they're like the cream of the crop, you know. And mm-hmm. in European sports, and I've learned like the reporters are a lot, a lot more, I'll call it Hollywood, than they are uh, in the <laughs> NBA. Like, pe- like people covering the team, you know, like you cannot reach a reporter covering soccer in oh, wow. in Europe because usually they're either past club like legends or or like people that are really that have been doing it a long time they're like literally celebrities you know it's, it's a lot different than the nba oh wow i didn't know that that's yeah it's kind of crazy okay okay so yeah so you end up coming on a twitter and then you hot so yeah how did you so yeah so continue on with your story how did you get into ultimately get into rockets twitter and then obviously the apology yes. question after so i created a, a twitter account like I was pretty popular popular on Reddit, um, so I created Twitter a Twitter account, and the first people that followed me were people following me from Reddit. <laughs> and I remember, 
coming in, like the first person I ever interacted with was Nathan Falk for some reason. And he gave me a shout out, like my first wow. week or so. And so oh, I, wow. I got to like 150 followers, like the first week. Uh, but then I went a good six to eight months where I'm just like, all I'm doing is like interacting with the big accounts that I knew from Reddit that I knew their names. <laughs> and eventually one of the guys I interacted with the most was, was DTC. Mm, Disney's Gary Clark, a legend. <laughs> yep. the, the man, Edamar. <laughs> yeah, because he was one of the people that were, was always being posted on Reddit and I agreed with a lot of what he said. So I was always interacting with him. And then come draft time, um, we had been exchanging like draft takes to Twitter for like a couple of months and he wanted to do a podcast about the draft and we were talking about it on Twitter and Jackson came like came along on the thread and he said what if we made this a show on what's what, what was it called back then was it green room or something yeah green room yeah. Spotify green room so yeah. and we made we made that a show and Jackson was the one hosting so that was my first time actually um, like I had my group like <laughs> when I had a little followers I had a group of people that I had on, on copy paste that I would just tag below when I wanted to create discussion on something. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those people was Don back when he had like 300 followers as well. So that, that's how long I've known Don. The um, infancy of it all. Yeah. <laughs> so we made that show and we, and back then was green versus Mobley and I was green. Itamar was Mobley. Um, and then the next week we wanted to do it again, but Jackson was not available. And I'm Portuguese. Like my, I think my English is pretty good, but the accent is still a little different. Mm-hmm. And Itamar is obviously from Israel, and we wanted, another, <laughs> we wanted an American voice to be the host, so it's more familiar and it's like easier to listen to. Uh, like it was just two international dudes it's like what am i listening to this um, <laughs> oh, that's so funny. so we i thought and i had listened to don speak on screen room before and i knew him for a long time so i was like yo don you, you got a pretty american voice do you want to come host like <laughs> pretty american. And TC? <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit a little bit <laughs> yeah yeah so that was how it started and we did that show and it, it went well um because DGC has a lot of following so he got a bunch of people in there and we did that pretty consistently for a few weeks and then Jackson who was like with Apollo and who was like the director of the Rockets part he he had he used to in the beginning, he used to do the launch path himself. And mm. then it transitioned into Taylor Pate and Richard uh, Binkley. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Taylor was doing a lot of the like the design stuff for the shirts for Apollo, and he didn't have the time anymore. And so he had the weekend slot covered by Richard, and he needed someone to do the weekly pods. And he, he, had already, he knew me and Don. He had seen our green rooms. <laughs> And he knew me, him, and DJC were going to start a podcast um, regardless. And he said, hey, what if you guys, instead of creating a new platform and then like breeding a completely new Twitter account and stuff, what if you took over 
the weekly slot on on Launchpad, and we can provide you with all the tools because people <laughs> people forget it a lot. But it's not cheap to record a podcast. Like there's a bunch of software that that you have mm-hmm. to that you have to buy to edit and stuff like that. And so it was just like, yeah, that's that's easier for us. We already would have like a platform. All we need to do is be consistent. And when we started uploading, eventually Itamar fell off like the um, our trio because co- coordinating b- between me and Don, like it's two time zones and it's five hours or six hours difference depending on the part of the year. Mm-hmm. So that was already hard enough, right? And, and Don works and I'm in school and Itamar is on another completely different time zone, which is like three or four hours after mine. So it was literally impossible to coordinate like weekly a way to a way to do the pod. So Itamar ended up being a guest from time to time. And me and Don did it, have done it every week pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not gonna one hundred percent commit to that, but every week pretty much since then. And it's just it's it's steadily been growing, I would say. Yeah, I love it. I love y'all's podcast, the content that y'all put out there, the brotherhood that you and Don have for each other. I remember when Don first mentioned you before we even met you, when we first recorded with Don on location, he said, oh yeah, Prod, Prod's like my brother. And I was like, yeah, dude, y'all, it seemed from what I heard, it already seemed like y'all had the same, you know, I'm very blessed. I'm very lucky. The guy to my, the guy next to me on, you know, through Zoom is my brother. So, you know, it was really just, you know, pick up a mic and go. But I think that's really cool that you were able to kind of shift yourself, even though you're living in a whole different country to, you know, assimilate yourself into this team, the city, and you found, you know, the right people to kind of guide you, get you to where you needed to be. And I, I love it, man. I, I love the story. And I, I was always wondering what the story was. I just never, like, I never understood it. And I, I understand it now. I love your, I love your story and getting to hear it firsthand and how you ended up becoming, you know, just such a huge Rockets fan, like so much so, and we're going to talk about this later in the pod, but so much so that, you know, you got a bunch of your friends freaking flying you out in, in the next That's month. crazy, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy. Dude, it's, it's not, it's 18 days away. Like I count the days, like mm. I'm that much looking forward to, to meeting y'all. Calendar marked, calendar marked. Oh up. man, exactly. I love it, dude. I can't wait, man. We're so excited. We're gonna talk. We're actually gonna talk about this later on, like towards the end of the pod. But I guess shifting over here, shifting back here, since you said that you ended up becoming like a big fan, I'm assuming 2017, 2018, the first year of Chris Paul. Who is your favorite rocket of all time? Oh man, that's tough. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I'll just. Just yeah, make it a little bit. Yeah. Just make it a little bit more spicy. I'll say I won't say anybody before I became a fan, because watching yeah. highlights and stuff, I, I, you'd have to go with the king just because I mean that that dude was special. Like, it was one of the <laughs> one of the coolest. Like considering what current basketball is, oh, the basketball that he played was so different. And it, was, it was like so cool. They didn't care about like efficiency the way we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though I agree that. <laughs> We should care about efficiency nowadays, and I'm a big stats guy. I can appreciate how fun it looked uh, the way a large one played. Um, but if I had, man, that's tough. If you asked me a couple of years ago, it probably would have been Harden, but for for reasons that are pretty obvious, it's not anymore. I, I don't hold a grudge. Understandable, understandable. I don't hold a grudge, 
but good. Just, I, I appreciate that. He's he's not, yeah, he, he's he's not my favorite anymore. I mean, that's that's gonna be a compliment in some way. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm um, saying, oh yeah, no, screw Harden. No, there's a lot of fans like that, so it's actually good that because me and the gym don't. We, we've gotten over it for the most part. Yeah, we don't yeah. hold any ill will towards no. the man. He he's made it up by leaving Brooklyn in time. Um, there you go, my man. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say, I would say probably Chris Paul just because like he he's such Great a different choice. kind of player he's just a different kind of like he's he's the definition of a pro he has all of those like <laughs> those what people call annoying I just I just enjoy it a bunch like he's entire like the foul waiting the almost like his, his antics in the sense <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I love that dude I, I just <laughs> absolutely love that and he's to me he's always been like the prototypical winning player and you've got to realize that I, I wasn't a fan back in his Clipper days. I don't know if he was as clutch back then. I know he struggled a bunch. I know you lost I know he lost to the Rockets as well. But oh man. Oh. <laughs> it, like what I say fan. about about CP3 is that if he's not on your team, you can't stand him. But when he's on your team, you love him. Because when he before he came to Houston, I could not stand him i hated cp3 mm-hmm. and then when he, so he got to houston i was like okay now i see why i love the guy and even what since he left he still does the same shit that would have annoyed me then i find it more endearing now because what he did with us i'm like uh man this is what he does it's okay it's just chris you know? yeah, there you go exactly. yeah that, that's exactly that's exactly how to say it yeah only, <laughs> only the greatest point guard of our entire generation right i think he deserves i think at this point he deserves all the flowers Especially yeah. since you know he went he went through everything he went through in Houston, so good choice, probably good choice. Uh, you know we we asked a similar question to Will, uh, and I'm gonna direct it over to you, GM. Uh, I mean, you told you said your favorite Rocket of all time, and you said Sam Cassell, but just for funsies, let's change it up. Who's who else is your okay. favorite players? One of my Sam favorite players. Yeah, just pick another one. That's not Sam Cassell. Because you said Sam Cassell initially. I have. Mine. Oh man. I already have. Um. If we're going to go current, like, let's say within like the last, like what, five, six, seven years, I guess you could sure. say. Yeah, we can do that. Oh, uh, I have to really think deeply about this, to be honest with you. I do not know. Um, just whenever you watch, it doesn't have to be five or six years. You can just pick. A- no, I know. I mean, I love Gerald Green, like just how he played when he was here. Um who else, man? I, I hate to say it, but I really loved watching Chandler Parsons when he was a rocket. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I loved CP. Like okay. I, I, I loved seeing him play, even though he's kind of a, he's kind of annoying. But I really enjoyed watching him play next to James. Oh, and I love Jeremy Lin. God, what am I doing? Of course, yeah, Jeremy you should have. It's got to be Jeremy Lin. Lin. I should have picked Jeremy. And Lin. people are gonna hate me because the back in the day, Prada. I don't know if you saw like Clutch fans had a huge issue with. Lynn fans and say they call them LOF, Lynn only fans. And it was a huge ordeal with the amongst the Asian community or just Lynn fans in general against the Rockets because people were like, oh, they're not letting Lynn succeed. Harden is taking the ball away. So like, I don't know Patrick about Beverly. that, man. Patrick I don't Beverly. know about yeah. that, man. Patrick Beverly was starting over Jeremy. Yeah, yeah. People, were, people had issues. a huge, there was a huge yeah. issue with that. And it Could was. Could you imagine if Twitter? Was, Could you imagine? Like, sorry. Could you imagine? Because it wasn't, it wasn't as big back then. It was like what seven oh, years ago, oh. eight years ago. It wasn't a thing then. It was still, it was still there, but it just wasn't as prevalent as it is now. Hey, Sangyun, Sangyun fans currently, uh, back when 
there was the entire discussion about is his body ready? Why is he not getting more minutes? Mm-hmm. And a, a bunch of the people like me that was defending him getting more minutes were being called the the current day version of of Jeremy Lin like fans because people were just saying, "Oh, you only, like you only care about being good." <laughs> I, I mean, I guess maybe maybe there's some truth to it because like international players always have like that little bit of a cult following mm-hmm, that comes from. I mean, if there was, there's one Portuguese player in the NBA, and if he played for the Rockets, I'd go nuts. But since he doesn't, I mean. <laughs> dude, no, I totally get that in, in terms of what you were of what you're saying too, because like we said earlier in the episode, like you said that that's that's just how it is internationally. Like they really just you rep them and you rep them to the best of your abilities. I totally get that. Uh, I guess for me, if you were gonna pick Jeremy Lin, I I don't know why I was racking my brain initially. And then I was like, oh, what am I doing? Trevor Ariza. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> love am Trevor Ariza. Trevor is yeah. my guy. It's Trevor Ariza. Always and forever. It's Trevor Ariza. He's my favorite role player. Probably one of my favorite role players of all time. I, you, don't, you don't get that deep with the Warriors without that man's defense and uh, three-point mm. shooting. But I shouldn't say three-point shooting. I know. Game seven. I know. <laughs> I know. I know, guys. Yeah, let's, let's, we, we, don't we don't talk about that. that. We, don't, we don't talk about that right now. <laughs> well, you know what? Good stuff. We really enjoyed hearing your story for the very first time, at least, you know, on, at least through our platform. Was that the first time you've ever told the entirety of your story on a podcast, or have you done this before? I think so. All yeah. right. Boom. First time ever. Boom. That is the awesome. last time someone asked me, I think it was Jackson on LOR the first time I came around, but that was before... I had like before we did um, for the draft last year, so like half the story was missing then. That's okay. Jackson, <laughs> Jackson's a friend of the body. He'll be he'll be fine. <laughs> so, we appreciate it, Proud. Thank you so much. We're gonna move on and talk some rockets right after we do a quick ad break for y'all. Give us one moment. We'll be right back. Something you probably do know: Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto; they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know, the average garage door is made up of 1.3 millimeter aluminum panels. Something you probably do know, your neighbor likes to tinker with his dirt bike. Something you probably don't know, a runaway dirt bike can take out your garage door and a good portion of your car bumper. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. What's up, everyone? This is Jackson Gatlin, host of Locked on Rockets, and you are listening to the Summit State of Mind podcast. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Summit State of Mind presented by the Minute Media Podcast Network. I am, of course, joined by the GM, Justin, and special guest, Paulo Alves, a.k.a. Prod. Well, the prodigy, but I, we call him Prod. I know you you finally got your name out there in public, but I still like to call you Prod. <laughs> Listen, listen, the, the rule is, if you remember me from when I was called Prod, you can call me Prod. There you go. So we're OG. So ultimately, like, huh? ultimately, when I'm fully Hollywood and I'm like interviewing NBA players, the OGs will be the ones that know me as Prod, you know? I know there you go. Be, Touché. That's true. You got the, the, the few, the proud, man. And then all of a sudden, everyone's going to be like, what? Who's Prod? Prod? Are you talking about Paulo? Oh, that's my boy. And I'm like, nah, man, you weren't, you weren't there in the beginning. You don't, you don't know. You don't know how it is. <laughs> well, Prod. You're here. Look, you're a big Rockets fan. We're all big Rockets fans. This is a Rockets podcast, so let's talk some Houston Rockets here. The Rockets played today. Let's talk about the game. Look, our Rockets ultimately lose to the Grizzlies, 122 to 98. Uh, they dropped to 17 and 54 on the season. I fully expected them to lose personally. I knew that from the last time that we had played them in Houston, 
with John Moran playing, he didn't have a good game, and John Moran ultimately didn't even play this game. But I knew they were going to try to come out strong because I knew they probably were going to take that L personally, especially against you know the Rockets, the worst team in the NBA uh, record-wise, and eh, pretty much yeah, pretty much worst team in the NBA. And I just want to. <laughs> You know, I want to talk about the game. I want to preface it by just letting y'all know that I I could I watched the first half, couldn't watch the second half. I go to church, so I couldn't watch the second half. Was not even able to catch fully the highlights from the second half. So I'm going to be going off here on cuff, but I do want to talk about this because this does need to be talked about. I wasn't able to catch this, but I heard that KPJ is a man that stole all the headlines for all the wrong reasons. Um <laughs> I want to ask you first, GM. I want to go over to you first because I know you have a lot mm. to say about this, and I know you I, you've been waiting, been waiting patiently to talk about this. So <laughs> walk us through it. What happened to him during the game in the first half, and what ultimately caused him to act the way he did? Well, um, so in the first half, there was a part of the game where I guess he shot an air ball and he made it look like he was hurt. I'm not going to say it made it look like he was hurt. He was probably hurt. I don't recall seeing him roll his ankle uh, initially in the earlier parts of the game. So I wasn't so certain. I was in the middle of, um, I was actually slicing up some stuff that I was about to eat while I was watching it. But what I had noticed was after that, you could see him like whining, just in the sense, kind of like where he's sulking a little bit, hanging back on defense, not doing anything else. Then the next possession immediately after he tried to, run for a lob didn't get the lob and he tried to <laughs> he tried to he, he got the ball eventually from shooter try to lay it in didn't get a foul then you can see him just completely just i didn't say he lost it but he was you know just kind of putting his hands up in the air and then kind of putting his shoulder down shoulders down and he was just it just didn't seem like he wasn't all there um but anyways outside of that once um they were trying to bring in i believe it was garrison matthews Craig Ackerman and Ryan Hollins were saying that, well, there's six guys on the court. Someone has got to come out. And that sub was for KPJ, as you could tell. And so what happened was KPJ was trying to inbound the ball. They wouldn't let him do it. So he kind of walked across the sidelines and in front of the visitor bench and walked all the way back to the, uh, to the rocket side of the bench very, very slowly. Like he was at the scores table when play was already had already started uh, back up on that immediate possession. And then maybe like they said, like 25 seconds later, he checked right back in and it just, it just all looked bad. So um, let's, let's fast forward, you know, the second, the first, the end of the first half just wasn't anything to talk about, but the second half was really telling was where um, as the third, as the third quarter started, we saw a lot of just, you know, just a lot of crazy basketball. There just wasn't anything cohesive. The team was just kind of just like, what is happening? You know, everybody looks so lost. And probably within like three, three and a half minutes into the quarter, Silas pulls uh, KPJ and Christian Wood. And then ultimately what happens is that the Rockets go on this magnificent run to bring the score down. They were down maybe by six, maybe seven at one point. Schroeder and Sangoon were so good in that quarter but that's besides the point so what happened was kpj walked to the bench he kind of gave like this look i don't we, we can't really tell because you just see the back of his head but you can see john lucas's face and he walks past the bench and walks all the way to the tunnel towards the locker room and then eventually makes his way back to the bench so um yeah like <laughs> it, it, it's not, it's not a good look it's not a good look i'm gonna have to say that first and foremost um i do understand that kpj has 
issues in the sense of, you know, has mental maturity issues. And I'm not trying to downplay all of that stuff. But when you start to act up on the court, you're a professional, man. I understand that first game against Denver, he left the fucking Toyota Center, man. A lot to a lot of people, that's inexcusable. But in my eyes, I was like, okay, he maybe he had to do what he had to do to remove himself from that situation. And I get that. I praise him for doing that for his own mental well-being. But this game in particular was like, it kind of, it rubs me differently because it's kind of like when the getting is good and everything's going good, he's all happy. But when things start to go bad, he kind of pouts, sulks. It's kind of like when you're playing video games with your little brother and you're beating his ass and he starts to cry. Oh, (laughs) No, I'm just I'm not I'm not talking about you. Oh. I'm just talking about in general. And that's what it looked like to me. You know, Kevin Porter Jr., he he was sulking, he was acting childish. And you know, like it's hard for me to support him. And you know, I've had his back, I believe in him, but when you act like this and you kind of put yourself in front of the team again, that's where I start to question your motivation. I start to question a lot of things. And uh, I hate to say it, but a part of me is like, I'm done with KPJ. Like, that's just how I feel personally. I don't know about releasing him per se. I don't, I don't agree with that. I think maybe there might be a thing where maybe he might have to be sent home or he might need to take some time away from the team. But in my eyes, it just seems like there's a, there's a disconnect now where, you know, that, I don't know, like accountability. We talked about this a lot during the Harden years when it was started with Mikhail. They didn't hold him accountable on the defensive end. And then it got to D'Antoni and they didn't hold Harden accountable either. And how we saw that grow um, as he became an MVP and then team, and then the team became so great, but yet they did, they never really held him accountable and it all exploded um, before the Brooklyn trade. But anyways, as these guys are so young, we're trying to set a precedent of good habits. And the only thing I'm not sure about is I don't, I don't like the idea of us having to baby KPJ and put him in a different corner as opposed to the rest of the team because of how he is and who he is. I, he is such a good player when he's on and I, 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 I want him to succeed so bad because he's won me, you know, he won me over. But today made me question myself, like truly question that and question the organization where it's like, he's disrespecting you on live TV now in front of your city, in front of your fans and how they handle this moving forward will be something like Silas should have sat him in the second quarter and not let him back in after those 20 seconds. I think that was a moment that could have been used in the sense of showing him like, Hey dude, you're not bigger than the team. You're hurting the team. Let's bring someone else in that's helping us. Right. And I think that's important, but at the end of the day, I'm just not a hundred percent sure. As like at dinner, can I said like, I'm done. Like, I feel like I'm done. And part of me does feel like I'm like, I'm done. Like he's not Vernon Maxwell. He's not run our test. He's not, you know, we're not winning championships tomorrow. You know, Hakeem Olajuwon can police a Vernon Maxwell who would go to the crowd and punch a fan. Uh, Ron Artest will sip a beer from a fan while he's sitting on the ground. But Yao Ming is there to make sure to hold him accountable. Shane Battier. Yeah. We don't have that here alongside the lines of a KPJ. 
like, you know, if we had veterans around him, it might be a different story. But the fact that this is all youth, half of the team is rookies, second year players. It's a bit because in, in my eyes, KPJ should be considered a veteran. He's in year three. There's not many players that have played that many years on this team outside of what a Nawaba, a Schroeder, you know. So when you think about it like that, he is one of he should be one of the leaders on this team. And when you act like that, that's not the quality uh, character quality that I would want in a leader. But that's just me, mm. you know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, good points. Good points. I I appreciate you kind of walking us down that that path. I try to do that. Yeah, kind of kind of get this. So I don't know exactly what happened. I didn't even get a chance to <laughs> fully catch up on Twitter, man. I needed. I didn't even get a chance to fully catch up yet. I've been that busy. So oh, dude, I, I was honestly, watching it. I was. Yeah. I didn't know at everything the whole time. Right, I was well, like, Oh my God. I, I, I appreciate you telling me that. Let me direct the exact same question over to you prod. Now, look, I, you said you jumped in around the second half, but I know you got to see all the noise that happened on, you know, at least through Twitter. Um, after everything that has transpired now from the incident that KPJ had months ago to this incident that's happening today, ultimately, um, what, what how's that making you feel towards KPJ and in this game in particular? Right. First, let me tell you, I, I, I acted as a listener to the pod for the last like, for for the last uh, time, for for the last like ten minutes, and it was perfect because I didn't watch the the, the first half. Uh, I was having dinner. I was like on in like watching on and off, and and it just made a really good like sum up of what happened. And, and knowing that that's what happened, and combining that with the reactions that I saw on Twitter, see like how serious it is. It's tough, man, because coming into the season, KPJ was one of my favorite players, uh, and he still is. He wasn't, but he was clearly my favorite player. And it's because you see the potential. You see that he has no flaws mm-hmm. in his game. He has the body. He has the shot. He has the finishing. He has the handle. He put the defense, like he has the defense this year. If he could put it together, if you could put a different. <sighs> Stuff to say this, but a different personality inside that body. Mm-hmm. He has all the tools, and that's mm-hmm. what's so centralizing about him. But then, last time when it was in Denver, I kind of forgave him because I said, "Hey, if he's working on himself, and if he left, I can see him leaving because he doesn't want to create further problems." I was a lot more pissed at Christian Wood, who stayed and then outright challenged. Amen. Uh, <laughs> Stephen Silas's authority and said, "Hey, I'm not getting back in the game. Like that's way worse. Like that's actually like preemptively knowing what you're going to do and still carrying on with it. Exactly. When as and, and KPT is like was like an impulsive reaction. You know, he left because when people all like everyone does stupid stuff on, on impulse from time to time. I can forgive that, but like 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 what Christian did back then, I could not forgive." But this time, I've got to keep the same energy that I had with Christian Wood. Listen, I'm someone who, who thinks Christian Wood should be traded because I don't like his attitude. Uh, I don't like his attitude on and off the court. I think he's too entitled for, for what the player that he is. I think you can you can deal with personality personality issues when the player is a star. Like you can cater to a Kyrie Irving if you need to, right? He, uh, it's insanely talented, you know? You can... He's so good that you can deal with it. Christian was not that. And KPJ could be that in the future, but he's he's burning a lot of the patience that people have 
by doing all of this so early. Mm. And it, it's tough because then you think about we've got a bunch of 20-year-old and younger guys. We've got Jalen Green, who for all accounts has an elite attitude, for all accounts is the hardest worker if, or one of the hardest workers on this team. We've seen the this was advertised before the draft. It, it has only been proven right after the draft. His attitude on the court is also elite. He's one of those players where he keeps getting fouled over and over and over again. And very, very rarely do you see him complain to the refs. Very, very mm-hmm. rarely do you see him give up on a play. He doesn't have maybe the IQ to be a really good defender yet, or he didn't before uh, earlier in the season. But since then, you've seen the strides that he made, makes. And you've seen that one, no matter the, what the game is, he's giving 110%. That's not common for scorers. That's an elite attitude. That's perfect for development. I don't want to run one of two risks. I don't want to risk him thinking what KPJ is doing is okay. And mm-hmm. and this is kind of kind of babysitting him, kind of like spinning him like a child. But it's it's like that. I'm 21. I know how I was one two years ago. Um, <laughs> right, right. I don't. I don't want that to happen. And I don't want the reverse positive side of that to happen either. I don't want Jalen to feel like he has to be the bigger man and um, influence KPJ the right way. I think it's too early for that. I, need, I think he needs to focus on himself as he's been doing so. To be the best player that he can be, he shouldn't. He shouldn't need to take a leadership role this early, uh, especially uh, dealing with players like these uh, or uh, with attitudes like this. But at the same time, I like KPJ so much, and I wish that he could get it right. And I guess his contract matches the timeline of the decisions we have to make with him mm-hmm. pretty perfectly. He could get extended this offseason. I would say his last two incidents have pretty much made sure that he's not going to get an extension because even if you could get him for cheap, you're running a risk of him literally not being an NBA player because of his mentality. Like that, there's usually when you play a player, you see what's what's the, like the bottom level, like what's the worst he can be. And you can say, oh, he can be a role player and if he becomes a role player, I can overpay him a little bit where, as a role player because I thought his ceiling was higher, right? Mm-hmm. When when the bottom level is literally zero, it's hard to give him an extension. So I think he's already burned that bridge. So I guess you keep him for... He has a contract through this year and next year, and you let him hit restric- restricted free agency, and you see then. And... Above everything, you need to be ready to, if need be, if you are in a position to draft Ivy, you draft Ivy and you start Ivy and you give you and you bring KPJ to the bench. That might be something that happens regardless of his attitude, right? It's possible that KPJ is just a really good six man. And you need to know if he's ready to take on that role if that is necessary because you don't want to pay him. And then a few years down the line, you sign a like a really good point guard. Let's call it I don't know Jamal Murray, or uh, and he's clearly better, right? And you don't want to have to deal with you don't want to have to be still be worried about oh, can I bench this guy? Can he be a six man and play the role that he needs him to? If it eventually happens, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a really tough. It's a really tough situation. I think, above all, you need to prioritize creating a good team culture. 
back when we traded for KPJ, we had the time to burn, to give him a shot, to see if he can reform. As we move forward and as we have more and more talent and the minutes start being tougher and tougher to distribute, you no longer have the need to risk these types of personalities because you're no longer that desperate for talent. And so mm. at that point, you have to start sure. weighing in, is it worth keeping KPK around and maybe spoiling the culture or, or him taking up minutes that he could be giving to a mixture of Christopher and Nick's or, mm-hmm. or even even if Schroeder has to start anyways, is it worth it? And that's something that they'll have to consider. And I hope they can be cold-blooded about because they've not been cold-blooded so far when it comes to KPJ, putting up with all the stuff that he's he's been acting up about. I, I think it will be a really decisive point, decisive, um, a really telling point, how they handle this type of situation in the off season because we've seen this front office be maybe a little bit too player friendly at times and you don't want to be at their own more front office where players just think you don't care and you think that you view them as assets but you also don't want to be too player friendly because ultimately this is a rebuild and business decisions have to be made from time to time Mm-hmm. I think in terms of what you were saying, this Rockets team is definitely when it hits to the offseason, they're going to they're hitting a crossroads now on what they're trying to do because you're getting another top pick. You're, you're going to get another decent pick from that Brooklyn pick as well. You have to make start making decisions about where you're going to turn this culture into because you're right. We're not looking for talent anymore. Talent's coming to us now like they're just they're coming in the dozens. So this team, this whole season, in my opinion, has also been walking a tightrope in terms of what what they're trying to do with KPJ. You know, it's KPJ's first year as a point guard, so we're being careful there. Okay, he has mental he he has uh, was it mental health issues? Okay, we got to be you know, got to be a little bit there. Like, where does it where do you, where does the coddling stop and when does the coddling end? Because I know at the end of the day, KPJ, in terms of your development, he is the kind of the OG of the development era, uh, starting from last year. Obviously, and then you bring in the four rookies. But I totally agree with with both of y'all's points in terms of what y'all are trying to say. Because where does the coddling stop and when does the coddling end? And when are they going to start being cold blooded with their decision making? And it's perfect. It perfectly segues to my next question because let's just hypothetically say that we're all in we have high power in the organization, whether it be the coach, GM, whatever. If it was up to y'all and Prod, I'm going to go to you first since I went to my brother earlier. If you are in this situation, if you're Stone or if you're Silas, what would you do right now if this happened under your jurisdiction in your locker room? Should he be suspended? Should he be benched, sent home to maybe rest, maybe get his mind right or maybe maybe heal some injuries? Or should he even be cut? You know what? Let's go to you first. Uh, let's go for you first, Prop. Yeah. What do you think? So I think being cut is not the way, at least until the off season, where you have to make some decisions and you see who will be able to draft next year. So I'm I'm cutting I'm I'm cutting the cutting off and out of the, yeah. out of the, the realm Smart of possibility. <laughs> and then I'm also not going to suspend him in the sense of sending him home for a bunch of time because we've seen in Cleveland he can get lost when he gets too much time for himself and then he like we know 
the type of the type of situation he created in Cleveland. And if you're going to do that, you might might as well cut him. Like if you're going to risk him being mad again and throwing tantrums like every other day, then you might as well cut him. So I think you suspend him um, for one or two games, probably two games because he was already suspended for for one for the first time. And more important, importantly than that, KPK is already used to being suspended. He's been suspended plenty times his entire career, uh, his short career so far. So I think you've got to, like, it started, it should have started with during the game, instantly pulling him out. Like, this is not acceptable. The coaches are the ones with the power. I don't think Steven South is the best coach, but he's the coach. You've got to respect the coach no matter what. You've got to respect John Lucas as well. You, you talk so much, so well about him. And there's reports of people at Toyota Center that saw you stare down Lucas for a couple of seconds before you left. And I don't even have a problem with you going to the locker room and coming back because I can see that as, once again, removing yourself from the situation, cooling mm-hmm. your head, and then coming back, right? That's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in, this, like, in that moment, Silas has to be strong. Silas has to instantly pull him out of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he keeps complaining, say, hey, you're getting a chance here, okay? Nobody else took a chance on you. We did. Respect it and, and act like a professional. And I know this is condescendent, con- condescendent from a co- for a coach to say, but KPT was also not acting like someone who doesn't deserve this kind of treatment when this stuff happens. So mm-hmm. first of all, you, you need to not coddle him um, <laughs> like in the game and, and in training. And then you suspend him for two games, so just he knows, like, he loses the money for those games, and he knows, okay, what I did is wrong, and it's the second time that I'm doing it, so it's a longer suspension. But the most important thing is, you've got to treat him like every other player, and just like I say about Christian Wood, you you have to, if, if they are acting up, you've got to be strong enough to pull them out, because you're giving an example to the other guys out there that it is acceptable for someone to do this, you know, and you can't really give that, give up, give that off because the, for, for these guys, it's the first time they're in the NBA. They don't know how this stuff works. And if the way they see that the stuff works is, Oh, I can just act up and they like suspend me for a couple of days. I can just go, I don't know, go, like go meet my girlfriend or go out and party for a couple of days. That's not a good vibe to give. Just like I said, it wasn't a, a good vibe to give or a good example to give when Josh Christopher was playing really well and yet his minutes like diminished regardless because of the shoulder trade I, that works for that. And it also works for these attitude issues that KBJ has. So mm-hmm. as I said, I would do that. And in the off season, if this continues, you have to make a decision. You either get a coach that's going to be strict and put everybody in their places and you keep the KBJ experiment. Mm-hmm as a starter if you want or if you're keeping the same coach move him to the bench or just quit the experiment completely because I love KPK but he is at times getting involved getting uh, in the way of he's not getting in the way but he's not the ideal player to have next to Green to develop him KPK is not like it's not getting in the way but you can see when Schroeder's out there that looks better for Jalen, mm. like the looks he gets, right? Absolutely. So it's it's a it's a tough it's a tough balance to strike. But as I said, 
these are tough decisions that, in my opinion, are going to have to be made. I can't. I I'm curious to see what's going to happen in terms of because there's 11 games remaining in the season, and you know we're gonna we'll, we'll see what happens. GM, I want to direct a question over to you now. If you, if you're mm. in the if you're in this role, and this has ended up what it happened under your roof, what would you do in this situation? And there's a plethora of things. I mean, I wouldn't cut him to be honest. Like like Prod said earlier, like his contract is so friendly. Like, and yeah. it's just it's not smart considering that we have all the rights to match. So I just, I wouldn't cut him just now. I, I agree in the waiting of the off season, seeing what dominoes fall in regards to um, what players we have and the roster moving forward after that, then you can kind of start to kind of look at that and make your decisions based off that. Um, when it pertains to like the coaching dude, I agree. Like I personally want a stronger coach. I mean, I, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Silas either, but in my opinion, it just seems like he's already lost the team and it's just not a good look. And it just seems like everybody's looking to John Lucas instead of um, Silas. And that's just not a good look for him. I mean, he's the head, he's the guy, he is the face of that team on the sideline. And if your players are going to the player development guy, instead of you, it's, it becomes to a point where it's just like, I don't know if these guys respect him and respect is such a huge thing as a head coach. Like you see all the big coaches here, like um, let's speak presently, of course, like Popovich, the freaking golden goose of coaching. And you see how players respond to him and they play for him. And we just don't see anything along the lines of that for our team. I mean, obviously that's an unfair comparison considering the roster that we do have, but at least if you had a competent and more respectable coach, you will see the guys play with more effort. Do we believe that Christian Wood would put more effort on the defensive end if we had like a Jeff Van Gundy on the sidelines? I don't know because of his attitude, but um, you know, because of the fact that he is a tough coach and he's a defensive-minded coach, we would probably see more things along the lines of defense being at the precedent of what this team's focus is. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's why I, I kind of have this whole thing about the franchise taking responsibility for what's happening here. And it's like you're at that borderline where it's like it's, it is, is enough enough. You know, is it enough? Like to the point where just the franchise starts to look bad. Um, so that's that is my issue there um, in regards to punishment with KPJ. I'm definitely OK with like suspending him a couple games, maybe even three games to kind of just show him like hey this is not okay like you you really need to i don't want to say grow up but hey man like you're a professional like there's only so much you can do and get away with and we get it but look at the younger guys like you're like probably like you said jalen holds himself to such a high level of professionalism he holds himself accountable he never complains he never whines you can see him get a little frustrated and he's not getting enough touches but a player of his caliber I think that's okay to be frustrated considering uh, his teammates. Like we saw how Christian Wood today was playing point center again, and he did it for two straight possessions and Silas pulled him and see, that was one of the things I was like, okay, Silas, you're showing a backbone today. That's when he pulled KPJ and, and Wood because they were just playing like ass to start the second half. And I give him kudos for that because I haven't seen him do that this year, but you know, in regards to all of that, it's 
I don't, uh, man, it's so, it's so, um, it's touchy with yeah. this. There's, I don't think there's anything you can really base this type of experience off of. Cause I don't believe there's anything that's similar yeah. to the KPJ experience. You know, we have nothing to base this off of. So I don't know, man. So what you just pointed out with Jalen and just made me realize is even when he's frustrated, you can tell that he gets frustrated, but he, He's not like imagine he's frustrated about not getting enough shots, right? But Mm. even still, in those occasions, he still plays within the offense. He doesn't just take the ball and do it himself. Mm -hmm. He will still pass up, like get the ball and pass it around and do the correct play because that's just how much of a pro he is, and you really don't want to affect that. You know, that's that that stuff. Yeah, it's really it's it's so touchy and it's 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 so weird to um that we're in this position. But like you said, like you don't want Jalen to be influenced negatively in that sense, especially with two players. Like I hate to bring them up like they're negative, but like KPJ and Wood, like with the attitude issues pertaining to both the guys, I don't I think I hate is like, I don't want him to be surrounded by that. Like two players is a lot. One player. I think one player like that is okay, but two players like that is a bit, is a bit of a headache. And, and they're all as well. Yeah. And they're mm-hmm. also getting the two most touches, like outside of Jalen, would be KPJ and Wood. So True. that's definitely something to look at as well. It's funny mm-hmm. that y'all y'all brought that up too, because if I take it a step further, Josh Christopher, who's a rookie, got his like what Prod said earlier, got his minutes snatched up, like before you know for like a few weeks there. Could you imagine if we put KPJ in the situation and his minutes decreased? Oh my gosh, like. Could you just I would have left the team. What the, what, the, <laughs> what the you know what the blowback will be because of that? I think for me, if I was put into this situation, I don't think I'd suspend him. I don't even think that's enough. I don't know if that's what needs to be done at this point because of what Prod said about what it can how it can negatively affect KPJ. I think the best thing you can do is maybe start him and then if any but but make that leash as tight as possible. If something happens you pull him. You pull him and don't think twice about it. Or you want to take it a step further, but you know, you you may deal with the blowback after would be benching KPJ to start the next game or maybe the next two games and have him come off the bench. But like I said, it's such a like and it's so frustrating too because we dealt with the culture of Houston and James Harden of dealing with the culture of that that James Harden had ended up being through the city that he ended up being that player that he had so much power. He had, you know, he could act this way. He could party at clubs. He had no, no leash whatsoever. He could do whatever he wanted. And of course we allowed it because he was so freaking talented and he is still so freaking talented. Probably the greatest. I'll always say this, the greatest score of our generation, hands down, just straight up scoring. And he earned that right. But someone like KPJ who comes in, you know, we're trying so hard to rebuild a new culture. You know, we just got rid of Daryl Morey and we got rid of Dan Tony. You know, we, we, we revamped the entire organization pretty much. So, you know, I'm just trying to figure out what what the best thing to do is here in terms of what KPJ. But, Paul, I know you wanted to say something. What, what, what do you want to say in regards to that? Yeah. And, and if you look at it, and uh, I was thinking about this when when Justin was speaking, it feels like Silas is the good guy and Lucas is the bad guy. And we've seen yeah. Lucas coach for once and we saw him. He just benched Sengun because Sengun was not playing good defense. It was one game where Silas 
felt badly or was dizzy or something. And it instantly worked that way, you know? And it feels like Salas is the head coach, but Lucas is the bad guy. But then there's a disconnect where Lucas is allowed to be the bad guy, but he doesn't have the power to affect the rotations because that's up to the head coach. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it feels like in this case in specific, if if and I'm not saying Lucas should be the head coach, I'm not saying that, but it felt like okay, so Lucas is supposed to hold them accountable, but he doesn't have the tools to do so because you're gonna play them anyway. And he, and you brought mm-hmm. KPJ back. And and the other thing you you brought up, you brought up um Jeff and Gundy. I don't know if it was Jeff or Stan that you brought up. Um, but they're, Jeff, they're, Jeff, they both coach. Jeff for sure. Yeah, Jeff and Gundy, yeah. <laughs> Je- I love Stan, Jeff, but no. Is Jeff the one that had just? I, I always confuse the two. So is yeah, Jeff yeah. the one that just had a stint with the Pelicans that went really badly? That's no, Stan. that was Stan. That was Stan. That was Jeff Stan. is the one. He hasn't coached in very, very, very. Long. Actually, oh, he hasn't okay. coached since the Rockets. He, since T Mac. Since T Mac was a Rockets. <laughs> I would say 2007 was his last yeah, year. Yeah, that was his last yeah, year. Because it takes a good. It takes a balance, right? Because. Mm-hmm. Like Stan, you don't want to lose the locker room because you're too strict, but you mm. want to be strict. And a good example of this is, speaking of U of, U of H, Colt Sampson is you being strict and you demanding the stuff, but you all you also being the player's best friend, where they know that if they're getting benched, but they're getting benched by one of their best friends, and, and it's like he's getting benched because this is the best he can, he, like he's this is the best he can do for me. All right, yeah. it, it, it's a balance, and at least for Sen Van Gunnen, that's who I thought you were talking about. I was confused too. That's why I really don't, I really don't want him, is because we saw in New Orleans like, he had a really talented oh, team, yeah. like mm-hmm. this one, and it, he just lost the locker room. Stan it's, it's a, I'm not a fan of Stan. Not a fan of Stan. Yeah, yeah. it's a His tough balance to strike. Different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I, I'm just curious to see what's gonna what's gonna end up happening here in terms because but you know it's not the turnovers and like oh we have two days off, three days off. No, we got another game tomorrow. So mm-hmm. I'm True. curious to see what's gonna what's gonna transpire here within the next less than 24 hours and see what's gonna happen there. I mean, something has got to give at this point from what you honestly I, I, I still think he plays. Yeah, but I'm saying, but like, yeah, no, but like, I don't think you can treat it like nothing happened, though. You know what I mean? Like, there's got to be something, even if it's minor, like, like I said, tighten the leash slightly, but something's got to, something's got to give, right? Maybe they won't start him, like, as a form of punishment. Nah, they um, will for sure. Yeah, I no, I don't think they won't start him. I gave you my preference on what I would do. Like, yeah. I, like I said, I wouldn't start him to send I, the message. But I, it's not me. I'm not the. I'm not I, the I, I just so. I don't believe in the disciplinarian style. <laughs> to be honest, I don't. Right, I don't right, believe right. in it. None of, I don't none of us it. do. None yeah. of us. And, do. and the other thing, the other thing is, he is one of the most liked players on the locker room. So he's building relationship, relationships. Absolutely. So. Yeah. The longer you keep him, the stronger those bonds get, and the tougher it will be to apply a punishment or waive him or not extend him mm. as time goes on. So that that being cold blooded, the longer you aren't, the more you'll have to be cold blooded because the decision will be tougher to make. So it's mm. it's like a ticking time bomb, you know. It's it gets harder every day that that goes by. Absolutely, yep. and and when you said that too, when the t- you know, I first thing I thought about was Carlos Correa, and I shed a tear, and I was like, but he was, oh no, they didn't need to do that. They didn't do that to my boy. He did everything right. You could have signed him, you know. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. All right, good good stuff, boys. Um, I want to talk more Rockets, but you know, obviously we have to move on to the next uh, segment. We're gonna talk NCAA. We're gonna talk draft. Uh, yeah, we're gonna be talking about that. 
Give us one moment. One more last uh, ad break right here. Give us one moment. We'll be right back. Jamie's log. Progressive. The Harrington's backyard. Day 27. 3.33 a.m. 3.33. All those threes mean something. Or I may be losing it. Been camped in the Harrington's backyard for 27 days now, proving that Progressive has 24-7 protection. They told me every day they understand what 24-7 protection means. Think I'm finally getting through to them. 3.33. Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection. Just not literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Yo, what's good, Rockets fans? This is Will, a.k.a. Bias Houston, king of Rockets Twitter, host of the Rockets Twitter Safe Spaces, and the youngest guest at the Summit. And you listen to the Summit State of Mind podcast. All right, y'all, welcome back to the Summit State of Mind presented by the Minute Media Podcast Network. I'm joined by the GM and, of course, Prod, a.k.a. Paolo. Dude, it's just great. It's been great to get you on. It's been great to talk, you know, Houston Rockets, get your history, get our talk on KPJ. Now let's get to the fun stuff because, you know, when it comes to Rockets Twitter, if anyone can have a certain agenda, my man, my, my our guest here <laughs> has a certain agenda for this, for a certain player. And I love it. And you are a draft guy. And I really want to talk about this. Let's talk draft. Let's talk NCAA. Look, we know who the top three is in terms of the draft. You're talking Chet. You're talking Jabari Smith. You're talking, uh, obviously, about Paulo Bancaro. Two out of those three are in. One player is currently just got eliminated who laid a complete dud, a complete egg. I want to lay it over to you first, Prod. Tell the people who don't know, who are not on Twitter, who is your agenda for and how does that lead in perfectly with the player that laid a, laid an egg tonight, which breaks my heart personally? <laughs> yeah, so it's it's weird because I personally... Uh, so first of all, I really like uh, Banquero, right? And I've liked him since before the draft. I like him like at a personal level, mm. but then but then like my draft take is is independent of that. So. I like him, and I, and I I push a lot of a lot of stuff about him on Twitter because I feel like there's a, a clear disconnect between the consensus on Rockets Twitter and what the reality is uh, of, of of what the draft is like. Most people on Rockets Twitter would have Jabari and Chet number one, and this includes like all of your big accounts like Clutch Fans and 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 Jackson Gatlin and and yeah, I think even Be Mathug, um, and so. It, it, I, I'm weird like that. Where it bothers me that it's th- there's this disconnect. So I'll, I'll like kind of push for, for the guy that's not being represented well enough. And and why is this? <laughs> it's it goes deeper than this. But eventually, what you want to get, in my opinion, is you want to get the um, the best shot possible at a start. The Rockets already have plenty of young players. The Rockets already have plenty of young players who project not to be all-stars, but to be as a ceiling elite role players, right? And what you want to get in every team is you want to get your first two scoring options. You want to get your your like your, your two stars, right? You need at least two stars in today's day and age to be a contender. And I believe wholeheartedly that Taylor Green is already one of those stars. And I guess most people look at Jabari and Chet and they look more like safe quantities in the sense that worst case scenario, these guys will be elite role players. So 
they, they, there's like some safety in picking them because worst case scenario, Jabari is going to be a Mikael Bridges type three mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. and D guy who's going to be a sharpshooter. And and I defend and I've defended for a while now that there's a big difference between Mikael Bridges and Robert Covington in the sense that Mikael Bridges is someone who is a shooter, right? That mm-hmm. he's elite at shooting and elite at playing defense, correct? And Robert Covington so is someone so who is elite at playing defense and as his career has went on, he has learned to shoot. And this is some and most three and D players in the league are the guys that were elite at one thing and learned the other. Jabari is someone who's elite at both. Mm-hmm. So that has value, right? And Ted has the chance to be generational at rim protection. And he has an insane body type when it comes to his measurables, seven foot. Seven foot seven, I believe, wingspan, crazy. He has the mo- wingspan, yeah. He has the mobility, and he has some guard skills in the sense that he can dribble the ball better than most people his size. I wouldn't say he's a guard in a seven footer's body, far from it. But then, even if you took it at face value and said seven foot with seven foot seven wingspan, crazy shot blocker, and you added a three point shot. Now you're talking about what would Rudy Gobert be if he had a, if he added a three point shot. And that's like a crazy good player, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why I have Chat number one because even the safe bet, I would say, that, like the safe bet, considering we're talking about prospects, even the safe bet is an incredibly useful player. That while he might not be an option on offense. He's such a unique prospect, and 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 we've seen team, uh, Utah be so successful with Rudy Gobert. Imagine if Rudy Gobert could shoot, and we see how many people are interested in Miles Turner, who is someone who can shoot and protect the rim. But Chet has the potential to be that even better, right? So that's number one, and then <laughs> comes down to number two versus number three: Jabari versus Powell. And who is Powell, right? Powell is someone who is an offensive option, who is an elite passer. Who, but who falters compared to these two other guys on the defensive end, right? And with Duke, he's not put in a position to be more like all that Duke asks of him is be at the right place at the right time, keep up with your man, and and just and that's what he does. He's he's a really smart guy. He knows where to be at all times. But you don't get many highlight plays of him locking people up. Because most of the time he's not getting switched onto guards, and he's been successful when he has been switched onto guards. But it's so rare that you rarely see that, and you rarely see like a highlight weak side block, right? He has that in his bag, and coming out of high school, he was known as a really good defensive prospect. But the other two guys are just so insanely good at defense that Banquero suffers from not being as good uh, to the public eye, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing with Banquero is, and above Jabari is Jabari cannot create his own shot. He's an elite shooter, but his best way of creating his own shot is just shooting over people. He doesn't create space. He doesn't have the step back. He doesn't like he has a little bit of a fade away from the from the post, but eh, that's not like that's not what you want your go-to shot to be mm-hmm. at the NBA level. Like it's good that you have it, but you're not gonna set up your, your offense to get that shot every single time, right? And so <laughs> I like the upside of what Pankero brings in, in which that he is six foot ten, two hundred and fifty pounds. And he is really mobile and he's really strong and he can create in the post. Even though his percentages haven't been great, I think he's at 32, 33 percent from three. His form is immaculate. 
like it's not as good as Javari's, but he's he has a really good balanced form. There's no hitches, there's no there's no problem with his legs. He has a really good form. It's just not going in, right? And he's a really good mid-range shooter as well. Like it's part of his game, fadeaways, face-ups. He does that, he does that all the time. So he is a bona fide offensive option, an offensive hub because he's a really good passer as well. Mm-hmm. If you want to be a star in this league, I think we can all agree that you need to be a ball handler. You need to be a really good playmaker, and you need to be a scorer. And and Paulo checks these three boxes. Is he elite at all of them? No, he has problems shooting. As I said, thirty-three percent is not great. His free throw percentage is seventy-five percent, which is while well it is good, and it's a good indicative that he might he probably will be a good shooter at the next level. It's not ideal, and his efficiency is not ideal, especially compared. To with those other guys who are both shooting 40% plus from three. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I can see how it's easy to fall in love with the numbers. But first of all, college is a really small sample size. Bancaro went two of three from three last game, and that jumped him from 29% to 31%. And that's two threes. You know, mm-hmm. like in college, sample sizes are really low. And we've seen guys who are doubted shooters in college become shooters in the NBA without doing too much rework to their shots. And I don't think Bancaro needs to rework his shot. <laughs> then the concept that I bring up all the time is if we agree that we're looking for a star, what's easier to achieve? What are the paths to stardom from both of these guys? For Jabari to be a star, he needs to have a handle so he can create, so he can generate space uh, for his shot. Mm-hmm. And he needs more rim pressure. Like Jabari is 6 foot 10. Right, he's really lengthy, but his athleticism, and I know he just dunked on someone, but he does, his athleticism is not great. He doesn't have a much lift. He struggles a lot to finish at the rim, so much so that his field goal percentage is only 1% higher than his three-point percentage. So he really struggles to get to the rim, and defenders really overplay his jump shot because they know there's no danger of him getting past them to get to go to the rim, right? And even if he does get to the rim, he won't be able to finish over the shot blocker or through the shot blocker, or he won't be able to make the next read and kick it out to whoever the help defense is coming off of. So those are things that right now for Jabari are like a D, probably. Handling and finishing at the rim are probably mm-hmm. a D plus, maybe a C minus, right? And, and for Banquero, what he needs to do is what he's already doing, but at a higher level. So what's easier to do? to develop a skill from the ground up like the handle or the finishing or even working on your athleticism which I'm not sure how much you can do so yeah yeah what's easier to go from a D plus C minus on that up to an A which is what you need to be a star or to be a B minus at everything and working on some of the aspects to become that you already are familiar with doing to become the star that you need to be, you know? <laughs> the other things with Bancaro is the it factor is definitely there. The when he's he's not he's not the flashiest defender, but that's not the role Duke lets him play as. And we've seen in the tournament that his defense has definitely stepped up when now that the games have started mattering as well. His IQ is off the charts offensively, like his passing is really good. He knows what to do most of the times. His footwork in the post and on the perimeter. This is a six foot ten guy. 
250 pounds that had at the high school level was shooting step back threes from the three point line. Mm-hmm. Like, and in the post, he has a bunch of counters. You see Sangoon, he has more counters than Sangoon. So just so you know the level it is. So those fundamentals and those things you cannot teach are all there. And what he needs to do is get better at the things that he's already made at to become elite. So that's my point. It's definitely a discussion. I'm not saying Paulo is, is clear-cut better, but it's definitely a discussion. And for most people, it's not been a discussion. And ultimately, and the reason I have them so close is if you stop imagining Banquero as a bully ball for our Julius Randle, and you start looking at him as a playmaking three, like Josh Kitty, like um, which Josh Kitty is probably the best, not the best. And the, the next one I'm going to bring up is also not the best, like LeBron, like Jason Tatum, like Kawhi. If you look at him in that sense, if you look at the fact that he already knew he was going to Duke years before he was he had to make the decision. So he was already bulking up for years because he knew you would be the four when playing for Duke. Mm-hmm. If you think that this guy can lose 10, 15 pounds and become even quicker on the perimeter and be a three playmaking wing instead of this bully ball four, all of a sudden your, your comparisons, the only one people can bring up is Julius Randle and nobody likes Randle. I'd say... <laughs> Bancaro at the current stage is a lot smarter of a player than Julius Randle ever was in his entire career, but mm. I, the, those comparisons scare people. And if we stop looking at those comparisons like that and we view him as a three and compare him to those types of wings, which is a role he can play, I think a lot of people would be a lot higher on him. Mm-hmm. I think, especially I think with the way that Bancaro is, people tend to forget that uh, I think before the college season even started, a lot of people had Bancaro number one on the mock board. A lot, a lot of people were, you know, it was juggling between Chet and Paolo. And I think as the, the season was progressing, I guess, um, like you said, maybe it could it be blamed on the offense that was set before him, the defensive scheme that Coach K has. That's definitely something that, oh, that's a talk. No. I know. <laughs> that's oh, a no. talk, Coach K. That's oh, a no. Talk. no, which we'll talk about in a minute. But, <laughs> yeah, I want to direct a question over to you. Look, uh, this is guys pro ban pro pro bancaro. Nothing wrong with that. I have no issues with that whatsoever. But we've been par- we've been very pro Jabari. I mean, that's been mm. that's what the pod's been about. I mean that, but that's been uh, Prod. You said it, you chimed on it earlier, man. All the major accounts are all very pro pro Jabari, and 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 for good reason. Like you said, the floor is. I think the floor is higher. I think that's why the floor is higher than I guess the floor of of Bancaro. And on top of that, for me personally, I think Jabari's floor is Harrison Barnes. And I don't think that's a very bad floor. It's he at most he's a like you said, he's a decent, he's a really good role player. But you know, you do make up some very interesting points. GM one direct question over to you now in terms of what these three provide, in terms of what these three bring to the table. Did Prod kind of did he sway the GM in a, in, a, in a little? Did he sway the GM in any way, or are we still, you know, outside of Chet, are we still uh, Jabari at number two? Um, he, I would say he swayed me a little bit, as I mean, I had already been kind of being swayed he, today yeah, already. Forth, yeah. Um, but I mean, that's at this juncture, um, with the tournament, this is where 
things start to get a little bit more murky in the sense where players start to separate themselves from the other players that are in that top three, four, five pick realm. And what we've seen was what you said with Ben Caro specifically is that, you know, he's kind of upped his game and he's become more of the man in the sense of being that guy for the team when it was more team oriented throughout the season. And a lot of people have comped him, not just to Julius Randle, but people have comped him to like another version of Michael Beasley. And I don't think that Michael Beasley is a terrible player. There's a difference because they both could dominate scoring wise and all three levels of, um, of the floor, you know, the paint, the mid and the three point shot to an extent, even though Bencaro is, is it the greatest three point shooter? This could be an anomaly based on how he played in high school and what could transpire in the NBA. But what I'm saying is that they might have similar skill sets, but the difference isn't here. Like you said, Bencaro has the IQ. And when you compare him to Kawhi Leonard, I immediately saw what you were saying because they have very similar body types. I mean, granted, Kawhi wasn't that big when he was San Diego State, but now you stand Paulo next to Kawhi, they probably might have the similar stature. I can see that. Um, the footwork is there. So like when it pertains to like IQ and all of that stuff, in addition to what he does have talent-wise, I see where you're coming from, and I see why you believe in him at that level. Um in regards to Jabari, with what he brings in the sense of, you know, three-point shooting, perimeter help defense, not just perimeter help defense, but also like paint help defense. He's like a 6'10 version of like if KJ Martin was 6'10, he would have been in the first round. His defensive instincts are so good. Jabari's defensive instincts would pair so well with a Shingun um, if they were to be in the same starting lineup. I feel like he would fit seamlessly for what we're doing, um, regardless if we had KPG at the one or even another type of one, you know. Um, but I do, I, I, the, the red flags are all there. That's why I'm not sold on anybody because there's red flags for everybody in this draft, unfortunately. But, you know, I just, Jabari is such a seamless fit. But when you say that he can't dominate, the ball in the sense of a Chet, Apollo Bancaro, even a Jaden Ivy to an extent, you know what I mean? If your limitations are in handles, there is a ceiling there. People can work on that, but in-game adjustments in regards to handles is such a huge thing. In my eyes, it's like you got it or you don't. Yeah. Like you see, you, you see Chet now and he looks like freaking Yao Ming going freaking driving down the lane do it pulling these behind the back dribbles and whatnot and it looks so smooth and it's unbelievable so i don't like a part of me is like this if we were to be at number two i don't know if i can justify drafting jabari smith at two i'm not sure about yet um but it's obviously a possibility it all depends on who's at the top like personally for me i think if indiana got paulo bencaro they'd be a championship team in three years 100% mm. with what they have right now. Mm. With Halliburton, Heald, um, Brogdon, Bincaro, uh, Mouse Turner, that is a great freaking team. Like, I think that, I mean, I'm not speaking in the sense of I don't want him to come here, but I just think that in Indiana, I think that team's pretty well set. They're, I think they're Paolo away from being that team. Like, that lineup right there freaks me out in like two or three years. Um and then regards to Chet, 
I do think that Chet's number one. If we get number one, we have to get Chet. There's just so many variables there that he has. He's the unicorn, man. And he is he is the can't miss prospect. I mean, in in comparison to other can't miss prospects, I wouldn't put him up there, but the tan the tangibles, everything, like the height, the length, his shooting ability, you know. Um the only thing that obviously people have red flags about was last night against uh, Jalen Duran. You know, he had some good time. He had some good spots. He had some bad spots, but at the end of the day, I don't believe that last night turned me in the sense of where it's like, oh, I don't know. Chet should go to number two. I don't, I don't believe that. I mean, their offense is run through drew Timmy and that's just how it's going to be in Gonzaga. You know, <laughs> like you mean it, Shen that's basically <laughs> skill set pretty similar. But, with a with a with a mustache. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's interesting. <laughs> well, that's so funny. I think it's interesting that you got, that you that you said that too in regards to you know there is there is red flags between the first three mm-hmm. picks, but yeah. I think to turn it into a positive note, I don't think you can go wrong with all three. I mean, it, no, it's, I, 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 I had a similar I had a similar uh, mindset when we we were dealing with Cunningham, Green, and Mobley that they were going to be the consensus three. I wanted Cunningham, and I, but I still I, in my head I was like, I, I guess as long as we land top three, you really can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. I think at the very least, everyone's floor is going to be decent. So I didn't mm-hmm. think I didn't think it'd be that. I don't think it'd be that bad, but of course, you know, if we do net number one, it, it's Chet. I don't think there there's anything that's gonna happen outside of a major injury, maybe that someone can get that may lead to a change. But I think Chet is the clear cut number one. I truly believe he's, I mean, he's the man. So, but in regards to that's why I'm scared. Like, if we drop, like for example, let's if we that's why it was a good question to ask because if we drop out of number one and let's say pick number two comes to us, oh my goodness. I can already imagine Paulo's uh I can imagine Apollo's Twitter, Paulo's spaces on on Rockets Twitter. I can just see it. It's just gonna be like and, and you're just gonna have to like you're you're the one man army, man. And I may have to come <laughs> in and help you and be like, hey man, like I'm a Jabari fan too, but I mean you make valid points and you are making valid points in terms of what Bancaro brings to the table because you're right the skill set is different and I still think the skill set for all three will translate I think they'll translate beautifully um in terms of what what I was thinking was in terms of Bancaro my fear is I don't want him to be Blake Griffin 2.0 I think that is where my fear is in terms of not 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 the athleticism obviously but for him to be uh, you know he Blake Griffin was great but he wasn't really a needle mover I want someone that can needle move. And that was how I felt about maybe midway through the season. But as the season has progressed, once again, he started becoming stronger as the games have started counting. It's, it's really hard for me, man. I'm still going to, I'm going to lean Jabari still personally, but just because of the fact that it's this, it is the seamless fit. And on top of it, what he provides, you were saying you compare Kawhi to, Bancaro. I also would come. I would compare Kawhi to uh, to Jabari coming out of the draft. I wanted Kawhi at pick at pick fourteen in twenty eleven. I wanted uh, Kawhi Leonard out of that draft because I saw stuff that was similar. I saw the defense. I see uh, he the three point shot wasn't as prominent for Kawhi, but I saw the hustle. I saw the smarts. He didn't even quite didn't even have a great ball handling at the time. So mm-hmm. you know it wasn't fantastic. So it's something that can develop further. Will it be tougher? Obviously, Kawhi is some is special. Can Jabari mm. be that? 
And obviously, and we we don't know. That's the let thing. Me say one, let me say yeah, one. Go ahead. Let me say one thing. Like we're gonna go back to to Bencaro here because this is my question: If we do draft Bencaro hypothetically, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this outright. I do not believe that KPJ will be the future starting point guard if a Bencaro is here because there's just not enough ball for everybody. In my opinion, I think we might need more of like a three and D, not like just only three and D point guard. But I, I was telling Kenny before, I was like, if we had like a George Hill arch- archetype next to a Jalen Green and at the three, hypothetically, you know, uh, shoot, I don't know if they go with, uh, let's just say miraculously KJ starts at the three, which is not going to happen. Or let's say Eric Gordon stays right. Um, and then. They go Bincaro and Shangun stays. The defense might suffer a little bit. I'm not sure it's as bad as what we think it's going to be. I think that Shangun has improved a lot more. His lateral movement is still not there yet, but that's besides the point. I'm just saying that Bincaro could be that secondary ball handler next to a Jalen. And I think that Jalen should have the ball more predominantly, but he's not a point guard per se, but he can still create plays. And he has that, he has that ability to find that. And I just think that if we do draft as someone like a Ben Kuro, um, I'm just not hundred percent certain that KPJ's future is long in Houston, but that's just me personally. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, let me ask you this. What if instead of the lineup that you, mm-hmm. that you, it's a two parts, two part answer. So I agree. Uh, I think it's also possible that you, it's it'll be hard, so it's possible that you can morph KPJ into guy that primarily shoot three, a three, either 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 a, either a six man or someone who play who shoots threes and plays defense because he has the size to do that. But mm-hmm. it's probably not ideal because we know KPJ asking him it's already asking him too much to take a role that that diminished. Yeah, but yeah, I think Bankero is clearly the better talent. Uh, I think he'd be the second best talent on this team, even ahead of Shang Yun. Even though I love Shingun, and I'm not saying Shingun, you need to trade Shingun to get Bankero. I think as long as you ha- can have a a good enough fit so that it's not completely dysfunctional and it's not hurting development, mm-hmm. you'll be okay keeping them and making a decision later, even, even if there isn't a decision to be made. But I wanted to say, you said Kaelin at the two, KJ or whatever at the three, Paulo at the four, and Shingun at the five. And I can see... I can see the the worries with the weak side shot blocking. Mm-hmm. I would go. I'm I'm not too sure. Uh, I'm, and I'm, and I don't feel this way yet because I haven't looked into too, into it too much yet. But both Itamar and Nathan Fogg were two pretty like big draft guys. They both say that Banqueros more more like Tabari's weak side shot blocking and and help defense is not as good. Is not as as much better from Bankeros as the eye test or or the narrative points it out to be. I, I can't help I can't explain that to you because I'm not <laughs> I'm not as smart in that sense as they are. But uh, I'll ask them and, and I might I might send that back to you. But mm. what I wanted to point out is what if instead of that you had Kevin at the two, Bankero at the three, and you had a Robert Covington type. At the four, who is going, and why Robert Covington type? Because Roko was known, at least in his Houston career, to be incredible weak side shot blocker, right? 
mm-hmm. um, can shoot the three, so he can space the four, doesn't need the ball in his hands. And he's not the best perimeter defender on guards because he gets beat, beat pretty often. Mm-hmm. Bankero's probably at the NBA level going to be a lot better at keeping up with guards than Roko was. And so you're getting those you're getting those characteristics characteristics you want out of Jabari in a role player at the four and you're moving Bankero to the three and you're not asking him to do as much defensively. You're asking him to keep up on the perimeter. You ask him to be at the right spot. You're asking him to not lose his man. Because those are all players that can be found in the league, and all of a sudden you don't have a banquero, a banquero single in front court. There's, that worry is not there anymore. That's you're true. Also, you're also using Banquero as more of a perimeter player, which I think he can be as well. So there's less um, there's less problems with who's the one posting up between Chengun and him. Now, the fit won't be perfect, and I'll admit right now, Kapari is an incredible fit. A lot of it because he doesn't need the ball next to Shengun. It's, it's an amazing fit. It's pretty much built in a lab. The only guy that's built in a lab better to play with Shengun is the other guy in the draft that we have number one, which is Seth. Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah, because you can just imagine Seth on the defensive end playing like as a weak side shot blocker and, and hanging around the paint. And even if you have Shengun chasing around the perimeter, his lack of mobility won't be too punished because teams are getting past him, but all he needs to do is funnel guys into Chet, who's like the best shot blockers we've seen in college basketball, right? And then on the offensive end, you have Chengun in the post doing his stuff, and Chet, all Chet has to do is be able to sit in the corner and shoot threes, which he does at an incredible rate, and attack closeouts. If some, if someone manage, manages to somehow contest a shot well enough from a guy that's seven foot. If someone somehow manages a contest on that three point shot, yeah. he's also able to attack the closeout and make the extra pass if he needs to. You know, I like the idea. I like that idea too of of Paolo at the three. And the funny thing is, I have not thought about that. Like I, I've, I think in the beginning of the the NCAA season, I thought about it initially, but then I was like, nah. But yeah, you're right. Like I like that idea of him kind of playing at that three, but. You make good points, though, and the GM, you make good points, too. Uh, Like you said, Jabari is the perfect fit at the four. And you can even argue, gosh, and you were, like, painting me a word picture in terms of what Chet can bring to the table. I can see it. Like, he does not, like, Chet won't even clog. Like, he will just chill out. He will be like, yo, goon squad, bro, go ahead and take it. Take the post. I'll play out. I'll play out. I'm not tripping. I'll play out. I'll be the start on the other end. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's like, dude, if you get beat, I got your back, bro. Like easily. And I feel like I, I could just imagine the the. I feel like that'll just be the most hilarious friendship. I don't know why. Holmgren just seems like just such a chill, like straight and narrow guy. And then you got Shangun who's fucking wacky and all over the place. I just I don't know. I just think it'd be a hilarious match made in heaven. And I, I'm curious as to see what's going to happen in terms of how these top three prospects are going to work out. And don't you just love the lottery? Because we are not even guaranteed all th- you know being in the top three that's ridiculous like it's terrible right now we're projected <laughs> to drop as low as five so hashtag bring back the old watery yachts <laughs> oh god <laughs> please don't don't do it <laughs> man it's it's uh, that'll be too much see that's the thing that scares me at the end of the day like mm. that's why i don't think 
Rockets fans really understand enough, like as a whole. Rockets Twitter to a degree does, but I think Rockets fans in general need to understand how important the lottery is. Like, I don't think that gets mm-hmm. enough love. I don't think it's talked about enough. I'm like, bro, like this is not guaranteed. This isn't football. This isn't baseball. We're not guaranteed our pick. Like we can freaking drop at any moment. And that's the thing. And and it was worse last year when, you know, we could have lost our pick, but obviously that didn't happen. But, you know, all's well that ends well. We're going to hope and see what where the rest of the season, co- you know, ends up coming back here. And by the time that you get here, uh, Apollo, the NCAA tournament would have already concluded. And I'm, we got to get you back on in terms because maybe, you know, does it shift our does it shift our mock board? Does you know what I mean? Like, I'm curious to talk about that, especially as a season the NBA season concludes as well. So we'll see what happens there. Okay, boys, let's go ahead and go home here. Let's go to the end of this pod. Let's talk about something. Obviously that's such, you know, I found it so near and dear to my heart. And I know that these boys do too, especially our, our guest of honor here. He's going to be a guest of honor in a few weeks, 18 days. He's Paolo to Houston, Paolo to Houston, man. He's going to be repping the H. I am so excited. Me and the GM are so excited to, to just have you down here. We found out at the tail end, like of when it was happening but nonetheless i mean like it was just great that we were a part of it and Mm -hmm. uh paulo man let's let's talk about it like when did you find out and how excited are you to finally get to houston i mean it's crazy because so my birthday was three four days before those guys released the fundraiser i i only knew about what they only told me about the fundraiser one hour before it went out (laughs) <laughs> because they were like, okay, we're going to have to tell you this because your face is going to be all over the place. Yeah. You're going to find it weird. <laughs> <laughs> so they created a chat, a chat room with me and they were like, okay, so this is happening. And then I was like, my first reaction was like, you are really dumb, dude. Like, there's no way. <laughs> like, what? How's this going to... Like, I didn't actually say this, but I thought myself, like, what? This is not happening. Like, the... the this it's like i'm a random person on twitter most most of these people have never met so and then it happened and in the first hour they cleared the um, the goal they had and within the yeah, first surpassed, 15 minutes passed it yep within the first 15 minutes the rockets accounts like on twitter the one that has 3.1 million followers like quote tweeted the fundraiser tweet and said hey we we got you all the tickets and i was like what the? What is going on? <laughs> like my entire my, like, I was after dinner sitting in my living room uh, with my mom and my dad. My dad was asleep. Um, my mom was like really focused watching TV, <laughs> and like this is happening. And I'm like, is this real? And I'm like, I look to the left and I see my dad sleeping. And I'm like, okay, uh, should I talk about this? Like, is this actually happening? You know? <laughs> and, and I'm just sitting there speechless as time goes on. And I mean, that day and the day afterwards, I could not find, like, the courage to, to talk about it because, like, there's no shot. Like, what is going on? And I guess it really hit me. Um, when I went to talk to them about it like how unbelievable it is that this happened like i am someone who these people don't know they know my voice and they know where i'm from and i mean they know my face if they watch youtube more than likely they don't know my face either um i'm from a completely different country i'm just a fan of the same team as they are 
And explaining this to my parents and my family who aren't from the social media generation, right? Social media is very much a foreign thing. It's like, okay, I created a Facebook so I can message my brother in an easier fashion without spending like money on an SMS, an SMS mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> like for them, and when I was explaining to them, I was like, Bro, if I wasn't there in their like place, I would not believe this. Like, this is this doesn't happen. Like, you don't get random strangers to donate money for you to go to the US just because you spend some time, just because you look like an idiot staying up until 5 a.m. to talk about the steam. Like, I'm like, they knew I did that, and it was, I guess, sort of validation a little bit for for what I do for for the time I spend doing this kind of stuff which is for the most part for fun and because like we don't get paid to do what we do we do it because we love it right and I guess it was sort of validating to like be telling that stuff and then like trying to convince them that this was a real thing and this was going to happen (laughs) and I mean a cool caveat of the story is before Back when I didn't know, before they told me, before the fundraiser went up, this whole thing with the war with Ukraine and stuff was in the beginning. That's right, that's right. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. I've never left Portugal. I don't have a passport. I didn't have a passport before. So the way they the way they got me to have a passport, and it was like weird pressing, you know? But the way they got, the, the first thing they said for me to get a passport and the way they started pressing about it was, dude, you're in Europe and there's like that war going on. We don't like, you don't know that that's going to go. What if you need to leave Portugal for some reason? Like you might as well get a passport. And I was like, uh, it's a weird thing to be worried about. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take about your well-being. Yeah. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll take, I'll take that as love. And so I eventually got it. And when I finally, when I finally got it and they talked me through that, the bunch of stuff, I was like, dude, this is unreal, you know? Mm. I think that's uh, I think that was awesome the fact that it ended up happening and I can only imagine for you it must have been almost like an out of body experience and now you know we they got the money raised they surpassed it it's finalized I think your plane tickets from last when when I last talked to Don plane tickets already purchased so you're set yep. you're coming you know barring it barring any hopefully uh no delays because you must arrive here on friday in the early afternoon because you are your attendance is required you are the man you're the guest of honor at our houston rockets watch party uh hosted by your boys the summit state of mind and you are needed so you must be there that's a requirement you cannot be late uh <laughs> You must be there. So, you know, I think it's just awesome. I think it's incredible. And it just goes to show you that uh, Rockets Twitter is the best NBA Twitter. And more on top of that, it's a representation of the culture of the city of Houston. It's like you ride with us. You know, I want to, you know, what was it that Tessa Tessa said, GM? She's like, when you're when you're riding with us, it's. It's for life, I don't remember right? what she said. Something yeah, like it's that. Yeah, like you're H town you know, forever. H town for life. Yeah, you're H town forever. You know, when when I was telling you, I told you the story of how I became a Rockets fan, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it's so much a statement to that that we deal, we as a spaces host, deal with a lot of hate because mm-hmm. we have a platform and we don't convey the message that everyone wants us to convey because 
we let people come up and speak what they say. And so we got a lot of hate. And it was an insane contrast to look, like, besides the money that people donated, the amount of messages of support below that tweet, that tweet has like 250 comments, then a bunch of quote retweets as well. And the, the, the support was so overwhelming. And that brings me back to, I told you I became a Rockets fan because of the differences between American and European sports and how the Rockets were the embodiment of that. When Daryl Morey left and when Harden left, I considered, like, Harden not so much because I wasn't hard on the stand, but when Morey left, it was all he meant he was the face of the front office. And so he meant the things that made me pick Houston. And when he left to Philadelphia, I thought, should I follow both? Should I go with him? And for like two days after it was announced, I tried to immerse him myself in, in Sixers Twitter and Sixers Reddit. And after like one or two days, I couldn't do it because it's a completely different fight. Like people have followed the Rockets their entire lives, but they don't know how other fandoms are. There are no, there's no community quite like Rockets Twitter. And this was even before, like this was before any of the, of the, the, the trip stuff happened. Like mm-hmm. it's it's an, it's different. Like it's not the, it's not the same. Um, it's really special, and 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 a good indicative of that is I could not remain. I, I tried to be a Sixers fan for a couple of days. I could not. It's it's just like the people I have met, and then the friends I had that I like to think I've made are are just. Like, people are really special. Like, people don't realize I've never left Portugal. I've never been on a plane. I've never, like, this is going to be a completely new experience for me. And it's it's coming from people that just hear me talk online about their favorite basketball team. <laughs> and to be able to get at such a, like, I'm 21. I turned 21 a week, two weeks ago. Nice. To be able to get, <laughs> to be able to get, an experience like this to live through an experience like this at such a young age like this is one of those things that i'll be laying in my deathbed or i'll be telling eventually in the future i'll be telling the young ones that when i was 21 i like to talk about and it's going to be one of those unreal stories that in the future i'd say like it's one of those experiences that stick that are going to stick with me my entire life whether it could even go bad but just the fact that it's happening it, it it's so insane and it's going to be one of those things that i'll carry for the rest of my life and even 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 as the days go by sometimes i'm just driving from college back home and it hits me that hey dude you're in two weeks you're going to houston because these people loved you enough to bring you over and like it, it instantly for for the thirty minutes after that, I have like that underlying feeling of happiness that you don't really know why. Like that, that's unreal. Like to have an experience like that as young as I am. And I know people say, "Come to Houston for the food. Come to Houston for the game. Come to Houston. I'm, we're going to go to a Dynamo game as well. Come to Houston for. I think we're going to the gallery. They, they want to show me a bunch of stuff." <laughs> I my the thing generally the thing that I'm most excited about um, about coming to Houston is the fact that I'm going to get to meet all of the guys that I've been talking to, including you guys, that I'm that I that I've been talking to online for so long. Like I'm going to finally be able to meet you. Like 
from across the ocean, we see, like, I see the cool stuff they tell you. I see the watch parties. I see all at the games. And I'm like, damn, I wish I could be there. And mm-hmm. I'm finally going to be there. And the most important thing that I've told the guys as they're scheduling the stuff, like, they have, like, hour by hour scheduled what I'm going to do when I'm in Houston for the three days. <laughs> I've told the guys, like, the most important thing to me is getting to meet and spend time with everyone. That's why we're going to have two watch parties in three days. It's like, my main thing is, <laughs> I want to meet everyone. And I want to create those memories because I don't know when I come back home if I'm ever going to be able to see y'all again. And I want to make the most out of it. And that's definitely the biggest thing about coming. It's not the food. It's not the game. It's not any of that. Even though I'm a really good rocket fan, it's the fact that I'll finally be able to meet so many of the people I've been interacting with and I, that I like to call friends that I've made along the way. Immersing yourself in the culture, like immersing yourself with your friends. And dude, man, I, if there isn't a better way to end this podcast, I wouldn't be able to think of one. That is like the ultimate feel good, ultimate feel good <laughs> way to end an episode. Prod, we cannot wait and to have you here. We're so excited. Me and the gym, we've talked about this more than a few occasions. We know you know, we're going to try, we're, we're, we're trying to get to the Atlanta game as well, but the, that's the good, that's the cool thing about, cause we had already, so to pull back the curtain a little bit on us, we had the watch party planned already. It was, we just mm. needed to finalize a few details. It just happened. It just happened to lock in exactly on the day that you arrive. We had April 8th, right? GM, like, can you, yeah, we yeah, had, we had, yeah, go ahead and tell the people. Yeah. I mean, like Kenny said to pull back the curtain after the first party, they had immediately asked, asked uh, me like, when are we going to do another one? I'm like, well, we'll have to look at the schedule. And it worked out with the Toronto game being on a Friday and a bit earlier of a start. So the brewery doesn't have to stay open as late. So that was kind of my game plan. And then when we were in the chat talking about um, you coming over, that's when I was like, Oh, hold on. Wait, when is he coming? What, what, what time? What's the day? And I was like, oh, shit. Okay, let me tell y'all. Because we had already been talking about it with Don and Jackson. We had already talked about that, um, about the 8th being like the tentative date. So then I was just like, wait, is is this, are we, so, are we, we're going to do this then? Absolutely, we're going to do this then. Like, this is just, as I, and it, it worked out in the sense of where some people that might not be able to make it to the game on Sunday, this is a chance for them to come hang out with you. Even like the very first, your very first a day stepping on u.s soil man and i think it's just a great way to bring everyone together if they can't attend the game cool come to the party let's all have fun you know what i mean like it's you don't have to pay to get in it's just come hang out it's all vibes man there's nothing crazy y'all y'all will get to see me knocked out in a corner sleeping from all the yeah. time at the end of the day. <laughs> well, it's the funny thing. You were talk- we, we talked about jet lag at one point before uh, that Don brought up with me, and I thought about it, and I was like, you know what? This guy already lives in Houston time. I think he'll be just fine. <laughs> exactly. <with you." laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll come yeah. 1 o'clock in the afternoon and be like, oh, yeah, no, this, is, this, this feels right. I'm good. I'm but there's, no, there's no time to sleep. Yeah, I'll, I'll have plenty of time to sleep when I come back and before. Yeah, I'm yeah, already do- I'm, I'm, I'm going on, on hunt. I'm going on hunger strike the week before just because 
they want to have me eat so much stuff. <laughs> oh man, trust me, you're gonna go in. Man. Yeah, you're gonna, I, I, yeah, I listened. I listened to that part of the episode with you guys when you were with Jackson, and I was like, oh my god, they're gonna yeah. get this man to gain like 20 pounds while he's here. <laughs> if he does Is not, it? yeah, if he does not gain at least a little bit of weight, we did not do him right, and it would have been a failure of a trip. So let, let, let me tell you, yeah, man, the ahead. fried chicken here is delightful. I know Absolute, you want yes. fried chicken, so there's, yes, there's a sir. lot of options here. We're very, 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 <laughs> very excited for that. Go ahead. I need something better than KFC. <laughs> I guarantee that's, it, man. That's the standard. You're in the south. You're you're coming to the south of the United States, so you're definitely going to be set up for it. Look, we're all excited, Paolo. You're coming down April eighth. Get a chance to meet him here. Let's go ahead and go home here on this episode, Paolo, aka Prodigy. Thank you so much for coming on our episode, coming on our podcast, coming on our platform to just talk about your story, talk about the Rockets, give your opinion on the draft, you know, your story about coming to Houston. I want to roll out the red carpet for you right now. Give the people your ad on Twitter, where to follow you, where to listen, and any shout outs you want to give. Yeah, y'all can find me on Twitter at NBA. That's P-A-U-L-O. A L V E S N V A. Everything I do from podcasts like this one to live shows on Twitter Spaces, post game, and in other nights, and articles that I write for for a poll with you will find itself linked on there. So make sure to give it a follow. Awesome. And like we said earlier, if you want to get a chance to meet Paulo in person, you're going to get two chances publicly, ten, two chances to at least meet him. First one will be April 8th. Uh, at Urban South Brewery for the Houston Rockets watch party that we're going to have hosted by your boys. And then, of course, if you have a ticket to Sunday for Hawks at Rockets, you get a chance to meet him there, too. So we're very excited for that. And we're very excited just to get that going. And it's going to be a tons of fun. GM, give us the go home plug. I know you got it in your pocket. Let's go. All the, all the time. All right. So <laughs> make sure to rate us five stars on Apple, Spotify, good pods wherever you listen to your podcasts please rate us five stars or if you don't like us rate us one star that's totally cool we made the joke on one of our episodes that uh, you're not you haven't made it till you have any haters um this damn one star is coming at some point and i'm gonna hate you when it does it's gonna, and wreck, I, I, it's gonna I, wreck our curve I, i'm okay with it i'm okay with it there's let's add some legitimacy here right i'm just kidding but um yeah shoot us a follow at summit som pod on twitter and make sure to follow us on Instagram if you're on that platform at Summit State of Mind underscore pod. Um, make sure to follow me on both platforms at JP underscore Mirabueno on Twitter and Instagram. So, yeah, everybody, yeah, just follow me. I'm no leader, but push that button. I believe in you guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're, <laughs> let's, let's, let's push, let's push the P, right? All right, Jeez. so good stuff. Good stuff as always. You can follow me too at Summit Commish, S-U-M-M-I-T-C-O-M-M-I-S-H on Twitter as well, where you can find us. Thank you once again to my brother for always being my co-host here. Big shout outs and thank you to you, Prod, for getting on our platform, getting on our podcast, telling your story, getting it out there. We can't wait to see you in a few weeks. We are so excited for that. Uh, this will go ahead and wrap up our episode. We'll see you guys next time. Have a great week. Have a good start to your week. It's going to release Monday and take care. I'm Flo from Progressive. You know me. I'm a huge football fan, but it can be stressful for us super fans. So Progressive is going to help take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how your team threw the wrong ball on the wrong net, just think about how Home Court Explorer lets you easily compare our direct rates with multiple companies. 
Well, hope this distraction about Progressive's home quote explorer was helpful. It sure helped me from stressing about my team for a bit. Anyway, go sports. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. The Summit. Four, 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 four. Five.